This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. take a walk on the wild side get your saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous cd do you know who i am i don't know how to put this but i'm kind of a big deal on 1037 the game hey welcome everybody to a brand new edition of under the dome with cd on acadiana's number one sports station 1037 the game and 1037 the game.com hopefully you have a great one so far and you're making it a good old-fashioned saturday afternoon maybe getting ready for a little bit of cajuns football if you're out there going ahead and getting ready to Enjoy a good old-fashioned ball game between the Cajuns and the South Alabama Jaguars. It's the blackout game, so if you're out there, make sure you are dressed appropriately. And, by the way, we're coming to you live from the 1037 The Game Studios. We appreciate you listening in however you're doing, so be it through the free, almost said three, the free 1037 The Game mobile app. Or even on the FM dial, the old-school tower of power, too sweet to be sour. Funky like a monkey, sky's the limit, and space is the place. Oh, yeah. That's as far as I'm going to do because my throat has been a little weird the last couple days, but I think I'm, I'm good. I'm good. But I'm absolutely loving the fact that it's a Saturday, November 14th, and we've got the Masters. I'm going to talk about the Masters a little bit later on, but of course, you know, I mentioned earlier, appreciate you listening in, 1037thegame.com, the free mobile app, smart speakers, Amazon Alexa, Google Home, However you do so, we appreciate you listening in, in no matter what. Just a great Saturday. The Masters, Cajun South Alabama. Don't have to worry about LSU losing a ball game by like half a hundred or probably a hundred points. It might be it could have very well been the two hundred twenty two to nothing game back in the day with them, a Georgia Tech beating the ever living dog you know what out of them, a Cumberland in nineteen sixteen. By the way, if you haven't like gone look up on YouTube, there's a video t- like breaking down all what happened in that ball game. It is, it makes bad news bears look like. It, it, it also kind of makes them, the team they were playing, look like the little giants. If you remember that movie from back in the day. But I absolutely just am loving what's going on right now because there's so many different sports we can talk about. The Saints, they're on a roll. I'll talk about them in the second hour, especially because I've got to own up to some stuff. I'm going to own up to that in hour number two. But in the meantime and in between time, we need to get down and dirty into the business of high school football because we had a great Friday night that was in high school football. Week seven in the books, for the most part. There's one matchup of note, and trust me, it's going to be a damn good one. It's going to be one of those, we talked about it We talked about it last week with Ben, about the those dream matches, the dream matchups. This is one of those dream matchups. But we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But right now, we got to get to what happened in high school football. Week number seven in the Acadian area so far. We start off over at Rebel Stadium, but not 
talking about those Rebels. We're talking about the Southside Sharks. They hosted the Como Spartans in the penultimate game of the regular season. And the Sharks came away with a 36-14 victory over Como. Turlings rolled on down the line, beating down St. Martinville 53-19 on Friday night. And then Bro Bridge, they wound up getting in that getting some action with Albany after the game against Beauchene was post was canceled due to some COVID-19. And then Bro Bridge, 42-10, your victors. Liberty Magnet made the trip up to Central Episcopal and went home with a big loss. 48-14, the one and only Blue Gators get the win. And then everybody and their mama was looking forward to this matchup over the last couple weeks. It felt like it was going to be the battle of the unbeatens, and it was. It was one versus two. It was the LSU-Alabama equivalent from last year, 2019. These two were top-ranked in Class 4A. St. Thomas Moore, Karen Crow High, and the Cougars get it done. 37-22, a little, it feels like almost scoragami in high school world, but definitely some really cool stuff in that matchup. Walker Howard, Jack Besh, they connected as per the huge. But it was definitely looked like it was going looked like Karen Crow had control of the ball game very early on. But once St. Thomas Moore's defense was able to make some adjustments midway through the first quarter and understand what the Veer offense brings to the table and some and some really good fourth down stops and fourth down turnover on downs and everything. It was all SDN. 37 22, your final. Lafayette Christian Academy shuts out. Rain, the Wolves made the trip up to the and the night train just rolled on over them, 49-0. Westgate shuts out Northside, 55-0. Notre Dame beats Lake Arthur, 62-13. Catholic High New Iberia shuts out Jenneret, 43-0. Livonia beats down, Cecilia beats down Livonia, excuse me. Cecilia beats Livonia, 60-14. Kaplan and Abbeville in a hotly contested matchup, and Kaplan takes home the Russo Trophy, 30-20. Church Point. And Opelousas Catholic were squaring off, and Church Point got it done 44-21. Eunice beats North Vermilion 55-14. Vermilion Catholic beats Covenant Christian 64-7. And Catholic High Point compete the fighting Cody Schutzes. I'm just going to keep saying that until it gets old. 43-0 over North Central. The only other really matchup that matters in the Acadiana area is actually going on in Baton Rouge. It's going to be Acadiana taking on Go ahead and do it. Calagai of Baton Rouge. So that's going to be a fun matchup later on tonight. One of the best teams, two of the best teams in in Class 5A, bottom line squaring off. And this is what me and Ben were talking about last Like We talked about last week when we saw kind of things get changed up with Catholic High having to play Russ and they want to be able to schedule that matchup. What kind of dream matches in high school football, would you love? Personally, I think this is up there. This is definitely like high up there in terms of the most quality matchup that you could put together. If, you, if I were matchmaking, which I definitely far from try and do, this is probably one of the matchups I would love to see. I brought up, I think I'd love to see a North versus, I mean, I'd love to see West Monroe John Curtis personally because that would just be fun to see those two programs square off in any given year. I just love to see that because those two are always going to be powerhouses. Seeing the powers square off is always entertaining. And this is going to be a, a strong contest. I think everybody needs to kind of just keep some tabs on because the Acadiana High Reckon Rams taking on the Catholic High Baton Rouge Bears, two 
programs that have been storied, especially over the last like 10, 15 years. They have been absolutely up towards that upper echelon of like high school football rankings, and I'm looking forward that hopefully you are as well. I want to go ahead and take a look back at Friday Night Football that was, and some of the big takeaways that I had, because I think mainly the biggest takeaway I had was outside of Carragher STM, a lot of them were, were duds. And I think it's just the fact that this is something I heard Kevin Foote mention earlier in the week, and I have to agree with him. The depth of talent isn't really there. It's not, not to say the cupboard's bare, but it feels like the talent across the Acadian area, it's not necessarily as great as it has been in recent years. When you have a highly competitive, like, for instance, 5 4 eight, a couple years ago when it was 4 4 eight, it was probably the most intriguing con- conference, listen to me, the most intriguing district in probably the Acadian area, if not the entire state of Louisiana. Because you had Carrico, Turlings, STM, and all these teams were going to be really in making, really have a chance to make a big run in the conference, in the district. I keep wanting to say conference. But in the district, they were absolutely some real bangers. And you didn't know how this whole thing was going to go because it was so top-heavy with great talent all the way around. And then we get to kind of see where we are now, where it's STM and Karakur, and like, there's a big drop-off. Yes, Turlings looks good, but overall, it feels like it's not the Turlings team we've seen over the last several years. I mean, the Cole Kellys of the world aren't walking through that door. I mean, they had Wesley Blazik look good as well, but I feel like they've, they've dropped off, relatively speaking, of course. I think it's just the fact that you know STM has gotten better and better, and they just continue to reload and have all this great talent. Walker Howard, Jack Besh, the list can go on and on. I mean, you have, you have Paxton Perry. He, he, Paxton, he was absolutely just popping off last night. He's definitely shown himself to be another great weapon to compliment a guy like Walker Howard. And because of the fact you have a guy like Jack Besh, you know teams are definitely game planning against him to make sure that he is kept in check. I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen the rest of the way with both Carrico and Acadiana. But this was... It proved to me STM's the class of 4A. It was a really solid win over a very good character team. This wasn't a blowout like all the other games STM had. This one was one where Carrico gave them a good run for their money. I think outside the Catholic Baton Rouge game, this was the one that probably most people were interested to see how this was going to go. And lo and behold, STM gets a win and a pretty decent win at that over a program that I think, at the end of the day, Carrico should still hold its head up Head up high, even after a loss. Like people don't want to talk about moral victories. This isn't about moral victories. This is about like putting together a really good program and getting things done. And here's the thing: all your goals are still in front of you because you have every chance right now. I'd say if the, when the top ten rankings do come out, you're probably going to wind up going down from two. I think to about four or five. You're still going to be in the top ten. And when you take out all the non-select schools, then you open up a whole different conversation. I think that. Carrico has a great chance to be a top five seed in the class for a playoffs in a couple weeks' time. They do that. The sky's the limit for them. Because I think this is that year where they can do something that they haven't done in almost a decade and make it back to the Dome. I think they can. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that when you just look at what they have all around them, this is a Carrico team that has... Probably one of the most fierce offenses in terms of the veer. They have so much great talent in the running back field. You've got 
popcorn praise. I got Kendra Williams, a Cajuns commit. Yeah, Bailey Despani in the secondary. You have so many great, talented guys all the way around. It feels like they're all playing for each other, and there's a solid offensive line. We know Karen has always been more of a run game oriented offense, but I absolutely think that this is going to be a team of the future. It's going to be the wave of the future. And we see Karen make a run of the postseason. I think they get past the quarterfinals this year. I mentioned it earlier in the year, and I'm sticking with it. Because what I saw was a team that wasn't going to pack it in. They did not back down from anything. They were going forward like fourth down in the opening drive. Personally, I'd be, more, I'd be much more conservative. Just go ahead and take the points, especially early on. But you know what? If you're balling, why the hell not? So I'm looking forward to seeing what's going on. So trust me. I am all the way here for it. So hopefully you enjoyed it. If you listen to it right here on 103.7 The Game or even on Z1059, you heard the character call over there. That's what you can hear all season long. They got one more game of the regular season. The postseason going to be starting up not this week, but not next week, but the week after that. So I'm looking forward to just high school football playoffs. Going to be talking about that and so much more in the next few weeks. But, you know, we got plenty more things to talk about. It's under the dome with CD. Hopefully you're enjoying yourself and you're making this a great Saturday afternoon. When we come back, let me get to some Masters talk, because why not? Round three, getting underway right here, right now. I believe it's going to be they're getting started right now. But it's interesting to see how things are through two rounds of a tradition unlike any other. Patrick Reed is currently leading the pack. I'll talk about the rest of the field in a little bit. Also, what's going on with Tyga? Can Tiger get back towards the top of the pack? Eh, maybe, maybe not. But it's a lot of relative, you know, relatively speaking, I'd say unknowns towards that top of the pack, and it is a crowded house to say the very least. Back after this on Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game at 1037thegame.com. You'll see the Under the Dome with CD, the must listen to Saturday morning sports talk show in all of Acadiana. trying times. The world famous CD follows the simple words of Matthew McConaughey. You just gotta keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. So let's kick back and enjoy Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game. It'd be a lot cooler if you did. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. And it's definitely been an interesting start to round number three involving a lot. There's just so much going on. I mentioned Patrick Reed was leading going into the break. Right now, looks like we have a clear front runner. I'll give you an update with what's going on with the Masters in round number three. It's getting started. Round two finished up earlier today. Luckily, I was able to kind of wake up. At a halfway decent time, be able to listen to a lot of what's going and see what's going on with round two, see it finish up. I have to say it's weird the fact that this is in November, because usually we're talking about this in like mid April, late mid to late April. And you have a it typically end the rounds, you typically end around like five, six o'clock. Now they're ending around like four thirty because they're running out of daylight. That's the one thing that sucks. It's like they have to basically 
finish all these rounds out before like 4.30. It's easier said than done, especially in the first two rounds when you have so many different people playing. And hopefully they can get round three in the books. They've had to start at like 6.55 out, out in Augusta, Georgia. But it's definitely a lot of fun to see how this leaderboard is progressing right now. And Dustin Johnson currently at two under through two. So two birdies so far for him. Currently at 11 under. Has taken over the lead. Meanwhile, looks like somebody else is nipping at his heels. Sebastian Munoz just jumping up 12 spots, going three under through four. Hell of a start for him. Currently tied alongside a whole lot of other people. Let me go ahead and run through some of the more notable names. Brought up Patrick Reed, Hideki Matsuyama. You got John Rahm in the mix as well. He's he's even par right now through two holes in round number three. And then you've got guys like Abraham Anser, guy that was leading the pack a little bit earlier in round two. He's just getting started. You got Tommy Fleetwood, Justin Rose, all like tied for 10th. And then Scotty Scheffler tied for 14th. Brooks Kepka in that mix as well. Darn shame to see Brooks get it, be, be in that spot. But then we get to the Big Cat. Big Cat, not exactly his best performance in rounds two and three. He had a 68. This is the first time, I think, since 2008, he had a no-par like first round in the Masters. I think this was the first time since 08, if I remember like seeing this correctly. So he had a 68 in the first round. Then he had a 71 in round two yesterday. Now he's currently through six holes, five under. And he is currently tied for 18. So right here, right now, doesn't look bloody likely that he is going to be in contention for the gold jacket. At least right now. I mean, obviously, if he winds up turning it around in this like final 12 holes, then we can be talking about a whole different situation. But it's a it's not the, it's not the best round for him. He's at even par, but it's still not what I think he wants to do. Especially when you see how the scores continue to get lower and lower. Overall, as we progress through the next like several days, and he's continuing to kind of drop down, again tied for 18th. It's wild. Meanwhile, he's he's tied alongside a guy like Webb Simpson, a guy who was leading in day one, and Paul Casey. He was leading for a good bit in day number one. Paul Casey now at five under as well. He had a really good 65 in round one, then dropped down to 70, then had a 74. 18 holes yesterday in round two. They got Malui Usaisen. I'm, I'm keeping mispronouncing his name because I can't remember exactly how it's pronounced. But um, uh, you got him. He's at plus. He's at minus five plus one through four in round three. Let me see how the hefty lefty is doing because that's as a lefty. I want to see how he's doing, and boy, it's not good. Plus three through four holes in round three. Two under par overall. As and tied for thirty third. Again, the cut line was at dead even, so it was pretty much a like a big big crowd with it. So basically, I think what is this about sixty one? I think sixty one people are participating in that final in the final two rounds. So hopefully, we'll be able to see things progress well enough to where we can have a final round where we're not having to kind of worry about all the other external factors. But still. A really just weird time, but honestly, I love the fact that we got the Masters back. Because it felt like we were on the brink of not having any, uh, again, just going back 
to what happened just like a few months ago, like back in March, when we saw everything get canceled. We saw the NCAA tournament get canceled. Over here, the Louisiana Open gets canceled. Festival International, you name it, it got. It basically was the year of cancel culture. And we still are kind of starting to hear some rumblings about it. Even I saw some stuff from Rick Pitino. And I, I, if you want to talk about this, 337-706-0111 is the way to go. But Rick Pitino went on Twitter. I did, one, I didn't realize he had a Twitter, but you know what? 2020's a weird place. And here's what he put out about an hour ago. Save the season, move the start back, play league schedule, and have May Madness. Spiking of protocols make it impossible to play right now. Here's the thing. May Madness just sounds really weird, and like you're going to be having an, like, I'll just say it right now. It's a cluster bleep alone. As somebody who covers like all things Cajuns, I go to several basketball, I haven't gone to any football games yet. Hopefully next week, if everything goes according to plan and LSU still plays Arkansas, which, by the way, quick programming note, if LSU does play Arkansas, there will be no under the dome next week. I'm sorry, but there won't be an under the dome this week because of the fact that LSU plays Arkansas scheduled for 11 o'clock next Saturday. Hopefully that winds up sticking and standing pat. But I think as of right now, it looks like everything is in place to play next Saturday. I believe from what I saw from the SEC's release, that is going to remain the plan. So no under the dome next Saturday. Arkansas LSU will be playing at 11 a.m., Pre-game, 9 o'clock. You'll hear that right here on 103.7 The Game, so I shall not be here. I'll be watching the Cajuns' final home game of the season, taking on Central Arkansas. Hopefully they can continue to be the one-loss team in the Sunbelt Conference after a win against South Alabama today. I'll talk about that matchup in a little bit, but still, I, I'm absolutely looking forward to actually going to see a Cajuns game for the first time all year because I'm usually here, one, and two, they're playing at like 11 a.m., They've only had one night game all year, so it's like I have to try and figure out and finagle a way to either watch it through sources, I'll say that, or some other way. So I'm having to kind of figure things out. And But looks like right now, I think next Saturday I'll be able to go watch my first Cajuns game all year. And as somebody who like has been so in, like, used to being that creature habit and going to every Cajuns home game, because I've been to pretty much every Cajuns home game since at, since at least I've been working here. Because I used to go a lot when I was in high school, but once I got like an actual job, it was definitely a lot harder, obviously, working weekends, being in high school and, and college. It was a lot harder to go to every single home game back in the day. But I just, you know, I absolutely was sitting here, like, thinking, like, I'd love to go. Hell, I would have loved to go into this game. But, you know, it's 1 o'clock. It's a little close to me wrapping up here. But, you know, I'll go ahead and watch it. Whatever, do the old uh, hashtag tweeting from the couch, as one of our former, as one of my former colleagues would say. But I'm absolutely looking forward to just how it is. But again, going back to what I was talking about with college basketball, if you move towards college basketball in the months of like, you start in like, let's say February or March, that is going to be an absolute cluster for sports information in general. And they're already kind of like strapped already. They're already strapped for cash and strapped for budget. It's a big cluster because think about it. You're going to have – so basically what they're saying is, oh, hey, let's start it. Let's start this in March. Let's play conference only. That's fine. You can play conference only. I think that would be a great idea for one year only. Then you have softball, 
and baseball all going on at once. I understand softball and baseball aren't necessarily as big in other markets as opposed to over here where college softball and baseball, they're a big deal. Like we've talked about before, you got Caden softball. They've just like, signed 10 players and have a really solid recruiting class this year. I might talk about that a little bit further down the road. But still, there's a reason why Like I feel like it's frustrating to me to see this kind of statement. Because you are going to be overworking SIDs to the point of absolute burnout if you do high school, uh, college basketball and baseball in the months of May. Because May is usually whenever the most of the most important stuff goes down in college baseball. Let's say hypothetically LSU basketball this year doesn't have well-way fired midway through the season because of these level one allegations we keep hearing about from Dick Vitale. Play the recordings, Dickie V. What happens when that if that if they want to rolling through and getting into the conference tournament and making March Madness, that's going to pretty much cause like a, a crunch, and like LSU's already kind of having to crunch the numbers and do budget cuts and everything right now with their athletic department. You better imagine the same thing for programs like UL, even like a program probably like Villanova. They're dealing with stuff like that. A lot of programs across the country are having to deal with that and to try and do that. It's a good idea on paper, but once you start really just cogitating the idea and sitting there saying, hey, is this really what we want to do with our brand, with our company? I guess what we really want to do with our college basketball, I've just been wondering about that. All right, it's another done with CD. Hopefully you have a great Saturday afternoon. When we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit about those Louisiana Raging Cages and getting ready to take on South Alabama, the Jags, and making their trip over to Cajun Field. I've got a lot of things to say, and it's very positive in one aspect, more than I was before. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game, 103.7 The Game.com. From the octagon oh! to the 20 by 20 squared circle oh! and everywhere in between. famous CD isn't afraid of tackling any topic. Just don't expect him to get into the ring with anyone he offends. Finish him. Just bring it. Let's get back to Under the Dome. I probably won't be talking much about the world of pro wrestling, at least here. But if you want to hear my thoughts on the sport of professional wrestling, and trust me, I've got a lot of them kind of in the chamber, if you will. And I'll talk about that and more. Make sure you listen to the Cajun Strong Style Podcast, 103.7 Games, exclusive pro wrestling podcast. You listen to it through 103.7thegame.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, make sure you check it out. Some great stuff. And I think this week we're definitely going to be bringing the fire because to be honest, I think WWE's definitely lit a fire over the last 24 hours, but enough about that. I'm making something funny I just saw pop up on the feed, and it involves the Big Ten, and they got absolutely roasted by the TV guide according to DirecTV. I'm going to go ahead and pull this up right now because I've been laughing about it for the last few minutes. And here's the description of the matchup between Nebraska and Penn State. So I'm, um, I know we've got some We Are fans. My buddy Earmuff this for a minute. 
Free-falling Big Ten programs collide as the Cornhuskers host the Nittany Lions. Both of these teams are on, or haven't won a game. And then it says Penn State has failed to pick up a victory in two, dot, dot, dot. doesn't show the full description, but my God, that is just the utmost of shade. And this might be revisited on Monday, unless something better comes up over the next, like, 24 hours. I I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if there will be like a lot of shade to be thrown somewhere, somehow, some way. But I think that might be revisited come Monday. But really cool stuff. And it's a weekend where there's just not a whole lot of positivity in the world of college football. I mean, this week, the SEC was supposed to have one of their big games, LSU-Alabama, on primetime television, bright lights, big city, 5 o'clock kickoff between LSU and Alabama. We were supposed to have that. They were also supposed to have a lot of other really fun matchups across the SEC. Now, we've only got four. And only one's like halfway decent, Florida-Arkansas. It is literally, I said it on Twitter, this is Jefferson Pilot football. This is stuff that you put on like Tiger Vision. The quality of game that's going on right now across the SEC, it is the worst I have ever seen. And it's saying something, considering the fact like we've seen some really bad weeks of college football, just the SEC alone. I'm going to go ahead and pull this up right now because I, I just have to look at this again and laugh at how bad the SEC is just for the fact they have underwhelmed in a lot of different aspects this year. But I think this week, more than others, is probably one of the worst weeks to be a fan of the Southeastern Conference, where it just means more this week. It's kind of like, you know what, we're just going to go ahead and shut it down this week. This is that, that phone-it-in week. Right now you got Kentucky taking on Vanderbilt, a Vanderbilt team that has not won a game. Not a single one. Derek Mason probably getting fired at the end of the year, Vanderbilt taking on a middle-of-the-road Kentucky team that, honestly, you know, Stoops just hasn't done a great job with this year compared to maybe some of the expectations. But right now, late first quarter, Kentucky up 14 love. Then we get to Florida, Arkansas. This be a 5 o'clock, no, 6 o'clock kickoff on the four-letter network. Arkansas, Florida, probably the most interesting game. That's because of the fact that I think Arkansas is way better than you expected. They are a million times better than any of us expected. Then we get to a 6.30 kickoff on the SEC Network, which honestly should be just Jefferson Pilot this week. Just break out the old school graphics. Bring on, you know, get somebody from the old school Jefferson Pilot to call this game because this is this is what it deserves. South Carolina Ole Miss, a 2-4 and four team taking on a 2-4 and four team. South Carolina very much has some potential. Ole Miss has a very much high-octane, high-powered offense. But honestly, unless you're an Ole Miss fan or you're a glutton for really bad football, you're not going to be tuning into this ballgame. I might wind up watching that game if I don't like take a little bit of a, a mid-afternoon, early evening. I'm a hashtag sports nap. That's what happens when you have to be here till like 11 o'clock most of my most nights, but you know it is what it is. We'll gladly take it however we can do so. In fact, there's only like like two Big Ten games this week. TCU, West Virginia going to be squaring off at them. Uh, they're squaring off right now, and the Horn Frogs losing 7 nothing. And apparently it is very foggy over there, so hopefully people are able to watch it. They got later on today, 
Texas Tech at Baylor. Oh, the, no, Baylor at Texas Tech, excuse me. It's the classic butt game, BU versus TT. And, of course, Big Ten back at it again. I brought Penn State, Nebraska right now. The Cornhuskers up 10 nothing. Scott Frost playing very much for his kind of like his his job right now because Scott Frost definitely towards the top of that hot seat, but it's not nearly as much talked about as, say, a Jim Harbaugh who's taking on the Wisconsin badges, and that's going to be an absolute just dumpster fire and a half. The only game that was canceled was the matchup between Ohio State and Maryland. That would have been a lot of fun, but I think that would have just been one side as all well. get out. Meanwhile, Indiana taking on Michigan State. The Hoosiers up 7 nothing. It's crazy to think that the Hoosiers actually have maybe somewhat of a legitimate chance of making the college football playoff, but 2020's seen some really weird stuff happen. Then we get to the ACC right now. Virginia Tech's leading Miami 7-3. The U, is the U back? Maybe not. Wake Forest, North Carolina. Wake Forest up 14-10. Other matchups note, I mean, you got Notre Dame, Boston College. That's going to be a 2.30 kick. Clemson is off this week. Looks like I mean, we'll see your boy Trevor Lawrence back before long. But, yeah, outside of that, though, it's a relatively kind of blasé week across college football. But I think that Sunbelt should deserve a lot of love. They've only got three games this week because they've had the UL Monroe game against Arkansas State and Coastal Carolina Troy. Honestly, I think UL Monroe should just go ahead and say, you know what, guys, we're going to cut our losses and not play the rest of the year. Just Call it a day. Just shut it down and move on. Coastal Carolina, on the other hand, has an extra week to get ready for App State. And a lot of this was because Troy had a lot of COVID-positive cases, enough to cause the game to be postponed. I haven't seen the date for that game in terms of the rescheduling. But there's only three games on the docket this week. And they all have huge spreads. And I think probably one of those is going to cover. And I'll break it down. I saw this pop up during the break, so I want to bring this up. So Georgia State App State is going to be a fifth, six, 18 point spread. Excuse me. I can't necessarily see the score off top, but 18 point spread later on today. At 18 points. Then you've got a 230 game between Texas State and Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern, an 11 point spread. I think Texas State covers that. Then we get to the Louisiana Raging Cajuns taking on South Alabama, the matchup that I'm most looking forward to. First things first, I love the fact that the Cajuns finally, and I say finally, changed their setup. They finally did it. They finally decided to change the way everything looks. They decided to change the blackout jerseys. Because if you remember from last year, was more it was definitely it looked good on the field but absolutely horrible from the press box because if you're trying to spot players it is damn near impossible i've mentioned this many times and lo and behold finally we may have gotten some change from that aspect i'm actually pulling up a picture from last year right now it was like the all black and then the then it was red font it was red font for the numbers and the numbers were very shiny in terms of like the way they were designed. I'm giving a fast report right now. Now they've changed it completely. They've changed it from that something that I think just pops off a lot better. And they actually have the new Sunbelt logo. It's all like 
and I love the fact that they did this. It's the black jersey, and you've got the Sunbelt logo on the on the right shoulder, Adidas right here. Excuse me. The Sunbelt on the left, and then Adidas on the right. And then you've got the Raging Cages in the middle, where it's just the white Raging Cages, like the typical logo that you see. And then it's the actual numbers. They've got the numbers, 1-9, where it's not red. So more likely than not, you'll be able to see and be able to tell who's who. So they finally changed these. And I, I've mentioned, those are probably the worst jerseys they've had, is the old black ones that they debuted during the Mark Hudspeth era. Because these were like, oh, hey, let's go ahead and just break these out on primetime television then lay an egg on national TV, if I'm not mistaken, when they brought those out. And they wanted to, like, hype it up. No, no, they won that game on primetime. I was there. I was in the stands that game. But it was the Cajuns deciding to go ahead and say, hey, we're going to make this a big statement and make our make the brand look good. This is an example of them not necessarily doing that to the highest level. This is a huge step in the right direction because it just looks better and it's going to look cleaner. More importantly, you better tell who's who, especially if you're watching it on TV or from a press box. Because I'll say it. You cannot see those numbers to save your life, especially whenever you have a night game and the bright light, the lights are on. You can't necessarily tell who's who. I've had, I've heard many complaints about that. It's not great in terms of the TV quality and just looking at it. And hopefully we get to see a lot better like play this week than we have in the past couple weeks. Because the Cajuns, outside of the Iowa State and the Texas State game, and Texas State game, they almost lost that because they were just kind of didn't have that. I've mentioned it before, is the changes in how they play the game. They are very much an underwhelming team because of the fact they let people get back in it. They don't have the killer instinct. I've talked about it a lot with certain teams, like the New Orleans Saints, like LSU. I've mentioned it many a time. Is if you are playing a lower team and you were up by a couple scores, and you, like, let's say you don't score on the next drive after a turnover that could make this game an absolute blowout, a team lacks that killer instinct. That's what I've been seeing for the Cages as of late. They lack a little bit of that killer instinct, and I think this is a game where they're playing a, let's admit it, South Alabama program that can be very middle of the road. They're going to wind up being a team that continues to be consistently inconsistent. The South Alabama has not been the same team like year to year. Currently they are three and four, two and two in the Sun Belt. So if the Cajuns win, they secure the bag. That's the bottom line. They secure the bag and become Sun Belt West Division champions, and it's not by much. Of course, Cajuns six and one, four and one in the Sun Belt Conference, and they'll be taking on whoever. If it's Coastal Carolina or App State or whatever. You're honestly hoping. Coastal Carolina wins so you can get a little redemption on that behind over in Conway, South Carolina in about mid-December. I think I'd much rather that than playing in um, uh, Boone, North Carolina right before Christmas. But then again, I just personally wouldn't want to play in the Sun Belt title game if I'm going to go ahead and play the New Orleans Bowl because, let's be honest, folks, playing a game on four days rest is pabba. I think it's another big reason why I think college football just at least push it back a couple weeks. That way they can get all this bleep in. And it just doesn't feel like it's rushed. It doesn't feel like a shotgun wedding type situation. Then again, maybe not have as many bowls in 2020. 
I'm just going to go ahead and say that much. But I'm looking forward to seeing where, you know, the Cajuns, how the Cajuns play today. The fact it's a 1 o'clock game is a lot better than how it had been the last few weeks, where it's 11 a.m. Like The bulk of their games have been 11 a.m. outside of the primetime game against Coastal and the primetime matchup on the U on Saturday night against Texas State on Halloween. Outside of that, they've had nothing in terms of actually good like game times. And maybe it's just me because I'd much rather have, if I'm a coach or a player probably, I'd much rather have the 7 o'clock games. I'd much rather have like the, especially as a Cajuns player or a Cajuns fan, because again, it's something I've probably never talked about enough with the Saints over the last couple of years is there's no consistency in the schedule anymore. Because you can remember back in like, especially back in like the Hazlitt era, a lot of the games that the Saints had, they were very much outside of like one or two. You had 12 o'clock. You just knew, oh, wait, 12 o'clock. I'm going to sit down, watch the Saints for three hours. They'll lose. I'll be upset. And then I'll have to move on with my day. Now it, it'll be sometimes at three o'clock. Sometimes it'll be at 7.20 on a Sunday night or a Thursday night or a Monday night. You never quite know. You're not able to have that consistency, and it's weird. Like I guess it's just me because I've always been a huge fan of playing at noon. If you're the New Orleans Saints, you've just been so used to that. And now all of a sudden you get like a 3.25 game in New Orleans. I understand if you're playing in San Francisco or if you're playing in Los Angeles or Seattle or Arizona or wherever. But playing a 325 game in New Orleans is still a weird thing to me. The last Saints game I went to was actually a 325 game. And I could not, like, it was weird. I wanted, We wound up leaving, like, super early. Wound up grabbing some lunch before. It was Saints Bucks 2013. It was, like, the last week of the year before they got eventually eliminated in the playoffs by the Seahawks because that stupid lateral by, Mark, by Marcus Colston. Dumbest thing ever. But I can remember that game for a lot of different reasons. One, because it was like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when they absolutely were like the lol cow of the league. They were the absolute worst team I had ever seen the Saints play. And yet they were somehow, some way, managed to make at least somewhat competitive for a good bit of the ball game. I can remember seeing them throw a flea flicker. And then the Saints actually counter, I think, with a flea flicker as well later on, later on in the game. So entertaining, especially we were up in like Section 600. Those are like, I'll, I'll admit it. The 600-level seats, like, yes, they have, like, the worst steps, but it's absolutely the best atmosphere in all of, like, all sports is to be in that 600-level of the now Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Back then, I think it was still the Superdome at that time. Maybe it had just changed. I can't quite remember. All right, it's Under the Dome with CD. We'll be back after this. Wrap-up hour number one in a nice little bow. And we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about that Cajuns matchup next right here on 1037 The Game, 1037thegame.com. Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make your rules and we will break them. Let's get back to the famous CD who will break it all down for us.
Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game, 1037thegame.com. Wrapping up our number one in a nice little bow. I'm going to get to the Saints to start off our number two because I've got to kind of have an act of contrition a little bit with some stuff that I said back in like weeks two and week three. I'll talk about that in a little bit. But I want to say, when it comes to the Raging Cages in this matchup this afternoon, taking on South Alabama kickoff at one, I give the edge to the Cages. I think it's the fact that they continue to be that second-half team. But I think the big key is you're going to have to try and avoid South Alabama putting the fear of God into you and them going up like 14 nothing or 14-3 after the end of the first or second quarter. Because there's a difference between playing a game where you can wind up coming back, you can rally back down, let's say, like 10 points. But if you're down like 14-3 and the momentum is clearly in their favor, it's going to be very difficult to get it done in terms of being able to stay in contention. I think they have every chance to do so later on today when they take on those Jaguars. I don't know, Dave Schultz probably absolutely looking forward to that contest. Rumor in your window says he's in the Acadiana area. We'll see. I haven't seen anything of him on on the Twitter because I know he was out there, you know, having to cover my high school football out in Alabama, but obviously LSU Bama isn't playing, which by the way, I'm gonna shout out somebody on Twitter. I'm gonna have to pull this up during the break. But there was somebody who I was asking Dave, I was like, are you gonna go for the double dip? Okay, he's actually on his way. So anyways, I was wondering if there was a chance, you know, he'd go to the Alabama game. Some guy said, well, if it doesn't get canceled, there's a chance thing to get canceled. This is like two weeks before the game. And I'm like, you are a soothsayer, my friend. You, you are a seer in this business. You're able to figure this thing out before anybody else. I'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game, 1037thegame.com, and it's Under the Dome with CD. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. take a walk on the wild side get your saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous cd do you know who i am i don't know how to put this but i'm kind of a big deal on 1037 the game and welcome everyone hour number two of two of under the dome with cd right here on acadiana's number one sports station 1037 the game 1037 game.com hopefully you have a great saturday afternoon it is officially at lunchtime so hopefully you're enjoying yourself it's so weird to think about the show going on as you start your lunchtime don't worry no gross out humor here but i gotta give credit i mentioned it before we took a break i'm gonna give a shout out to at cjm3344 this is somebody who just randomly tweeted at me and Dave in our conversation because he mentioned that he was getting ready for the road trip to, um, uh, obviously, the heart of Cajun country for Cajun South Alabama at 1 o'clock. So I posited the question to Dave. Just going to go ahead and throw it out there. Is there any chance you go for the double dip? Because I know Dave loves to do the double dip action. He loves to do 
the double dip for like Cajuns basketball or Cajuns softball or, or whatever. Figure out how to do the double dip. I'm surprised. And he's he joked around saying STM. He's like, I've heard there's another game going on across the basin that day too. This is going on. This tweet was thread. This response is going back and forth on November second. And then Dave responds, "Oh, that one, nah." And then I'm a, again, CJM three three four four responded to the thread saying, "Still time, still time for the team across the base to get COVID." LOL. I mean, there's nothing to laugh about it, but you got to say that was absolutely like seeing into the future type stuff. I was blown away by that statement. Like the fact that somebody actually called that shot that far down the line. So I'm looking forward to that. And now, I said it, I did like a teaser video on Twitter and Facebook. You can check it out at Clint Doming and also on Facebook, facebook.com slash 1037game. And I paired it, Jim Nance's Hello Friends, a tradition unlike any other. And now we get a tradition unlike any other with the Masters on CBS for like the 70-something straight year. And Jim Nance introduces us like this. But I'm not going to talk like that because I... I can't. I don't have an inside voice, in case you haven't noticed. Very much like to talk loud, and especially when I'm getting angry, getting hot about a lot of different topics surrounding the sports world. But this one is a lot more personal, if you will, because of the fact that I've got to own up to some stuff. I'll always admit when I'm wrong. I'm not like the Fonz. I don't know. I, I know when to say when I'm wrong, I know when to say it. In this instance, I was, and I think I was off by country mile. So the Saturday Sports Sermon is dedicated to me as an act of contrition towards Saints fans. The famous CB is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. It's time for your Saturday Sports Sermon. I was wrong. I said after week two in the loss to the Las Vegas Raiders, the way that they played in that game was awful. I'm not going to say I was wrong about that. But I was wrong to bury the Saints and said that I felt like that team was going to be 7-9. and nine. I said that on Twitter. Towards the end of that game, they started the season really well against the Tampa Bay Bucks, and then they sat back on their laurels. They got their behind handed to him in a beatdown that really wasn't that close. Drew Brees looked like the old man Drew Brees. I talked about it in one final take that week, saying that he was starting to feel like the Undertaker from back in the day. Lo and behold, I was wrong about that. He's looking a lot better, and this team is just looking so much more like a contender. I said on September 21st, realizing the Saints are probably going 7-9. and nine. That take aged like milk. It's probably one of the worst takes I've ever had. But I'm going to admit when I'm wrong. I'm also going to really admit when I'm right. I'm always able to make changes and make adjustments to my predictions and my thoughts on a team throughout the season. But it really felt like that team wasn't the same that I saw back then. But again, they were able to right the ship. That was the key. I mentioned it before the bye week. 
that week four was the most important game of the year. Because in the history of the Saints with Sean Payton at the helm, when they go one and three to start the season, they go seven and nine. It's the model of consistency for a Sean Payton team, even in that 2012 year. Without Sean Payton, they finished seven and nine. They've never finished below that, which is great. But at the same time, it's nowhere near good enough to get a spot in the NFL playoffs, unless they were in the NFC East. Boom, shade there. Write that down. But when it comes to the New Orleans Saints and their early season struggles, I'll admit I was wrong when I said that they were going to go 7-9. I think they have every chance to go 13-3 or 12-4. I'd say at the absolute worst, 11-5. Because you've got every chance to really eat and like basically live off the fat that is a really bad... Atlanta Falcons team. You play them twice over the next like month or so. You got them. You got the Carolina Panthers one more time. Who knows if Christian McCaffrey's still going to be even on an active roster because he just keeps getting hurt. He'll still be with the team, but he won't be playing. He'll be inactive. That really sucks for my fantasy team. Thank you, Christian McCaffrey, for coming out, having a great game, and then you injure your shoulder. But I digress. This Saints team looks like the Saints team we saw last year with Teddy Bridgewater at the helm. This Saints team looks so much better. And last Sunday may have been the most complete game the Saints have put together. I picked him to win. I'm not like Lewis. I picked him to win because I felt like this team looked better. But I had my confidence level at about a 5 out of 10 because of the fact that this Saints team has continued to underwhelm under the bright lights. They shrink under the bright lights. Monday Night Football, they struggled against the Raiders and lost. They struggled against the Green Bay Packers and lost. And it's Tom Brady. Tom Brady in prime time never like shrinks underneath the spotlight. But it was a team with six days rest. And I'm absolutely loving the fact that the New Orleans Saints football team is winners of five straight. Five great wins for you. Hopefully, you're enjoying it too. Because I think that's definitely the thing everybody's looking forward to, is seeing what, how much further the Saints can go. Because they are going to eat off of the fact that it is the bottom half of the NFC South, and you've got the Broncos down the line. The only team you're playing that's above 500 the rest of the way is the Kansas City Chiefs. The Minnesota Vikings absolutely suck this year. They're going to be, they're tanking. You've got, let's just put it this way, you got your final five games of the year after this week. Six games, excuse me. No, seven, sorry. You got Falcons, Broncos, Falcons, Eagles, Chiefs, Vikings, Panthers. Right here, right now, those that final seven-game stretch, I'd probably say the Saints go six and one, five and two at the worst. Six and one, five and two at the worst. The only game I can see them possibly losing is a Falcons game because they always seem to just drop one of those games. I hope they don't. And we'll talk with Rose Jackson at 1230 about the matchup later on today. But it's still me sitting here saying the New Orleans Saints, I'm sorry. It takes a real man to admit when he's wrong. And I was wrong. I can feel like Happy Gilmore talking with Chubbs Peterson. And it's apropos we're talking about that on the week of the Masters. I was wrong 
you were right. I'm stupid. You're smart. You're good looking. I'm not as attractive. So that's where I'm going at with this. Saints fans and the Saints social media crew. I'm sorry. Uh, this is my act of contrition. This is my confession. That I was wrong. You were right. Please forgive me for not believing in the greater good that is the New Orleans Saints. And hopefully you can continue to make sure our lives are stress-free. Your defense continues to grow. After I hyped you up last week, just play good against a really crappy San Francisco 49ers team that has like half of their team injured. You have Quan Alexander. He's going to be playing. Just do really well. And let Will Lutz kick some field goals, why don't you? As a proud fantasy owner, I'd be more than okay with it. I'm not extra points. Kick some field goals. Just, just do what you got to do. And whip their behind, but not too bad. Because I've mentioned it before. Do not go into the 2011 route of the Saints. Because if you remember the 2011 season, whenever Peyton Manning had that neck injury that caused him to have surgery be out for the year, when the Colts were sucking for luck, it was a long, long time ago in a galaxy not too far away. But I'm absolutely going to say I'm all in on the Saints making a run and fighting for that number one seed. That's your Saturday sermon for you, folks. Hopefully you enjoyed that. I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. we got a great kind of conversation coming up with Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints podcast, Canal Street Chronicles. We'll be talking to him at 1230. Also give you the latest on the Masters when we come back. And also give you my picks to click this week for week number 11. No, is it week 11 for the NFL? I believe it is week 11. Yeah, week 11 of the NFL. It's so weird this, this season, so I can't necessarily keep 100% track of everything. It's hard to it's hard with everything else going on in the world. And hopefully we can get to that finish line. I think we will. But it feels like it's easier said than done. But again, to steal a line from, I'm gonna go ahead, I think I might still have that somewhere in here. There's a clip from Happy Gilmore. It's one of my favorite movies of all time, just in terms of sports. I'm not like I'm a, you're a guy, Lewis, who still believes Bring It On is a sports movie. Spoilers, it is not. But here it is. I'm stupid. You're smart. I was wrong. You were right. You're the best. I'm the worst. Uh, you're very good looking. I'm not attractive. All right. As long as you're willing to admit that now. That's me to the Saints. Like That's basically me. That's my act of contrition. Whenever I'm wrong, I'm just going to go ahead and play that soundbite. Whenever I'm truly wrong on something like that, I'm going to play that and own up to it. Because that's what we got to do in 2020. It's all about accountability. So hopefully you took account of that and just keep it locked right here because we got plenty more to talk about, especially about the NFL when we come back. So hopefully you just keep it locked right here. On Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Be back after this to talk a little bit about the NFL and a Masters update as well. Most sports talk radio shows go up to 10 on the amp, but Under the Dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top? 
number and make that a little louder. These go to 11. Now back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana's Sports Station, 1037 The Game. This show most definitely goes to 11 compared to like how, like, I, I, I listen to all the shows. Like, we usually have, like, like for instance, with footnotes where it's like, you're the Marshall Tucker Band every day. It's like, this definitely has a lot more of a heavy edge to it. And that's what I love. It's like, but that's just how I am. I, I've always grown to, like, I hear Lewis's show. It's got very much, you know, the the millennial hip-hop kid with all the, the, the lo-fi hip-hop beats. I like that. Don't get me wrong. I like that kind of stuff. And, you know, obviously, first cup, 7-9, a lot more of the old-school Motown sound. It's got a little bit more of a rough and ragged edge to it, and I absolutely feel like it just fits the show so much better than, you know, just the same old cookie-cutter, you know, music. I just love I just love metal, straight up. I've always loved a lot more of the hard rock type stuff. It's always just full of that octane. That's usually what I listen to before I get on the air. Like, that's basically why I'm always just so high energy for like two hours and then i just basically become like exhausted after like right after like true story like right after the show i become exhausted because i'm like just completely full force into like just bringing the energy and bringing the heat because again you don't want to hear me basically be like oh it's um, the npr show you don't want it to be like that you want it to be very much high energy high octane that's what we do here and trust me that and the fact i have a big old like big old cup of pepsi that i have every saturday Big old big gulp, if you will. If this, if there were a Seven Eleven in twenty twenty in Louisiana, that's where I'd be. But we don't. But it's under the dome with CD. Hopefully, you have a great Saturday so far. Wherever you're listening to us, appreciate it. Be it through the FM dial, the old Tower of Power, too sweet to be sour, or through the free mobile app, one hundred three seventy game dot com, smart speakers, Amazon Alexa, Google Home. However you do so, we appreciate you listening in any way, shape, or form. But now. I want to get to the NFL, but first, let me go ahead and look at what's going on with the 2020 Masters, the third round currently underway. Go DJ. That's my DJ currently at 13 under par through and currently four under just in round three alone through five holes. So he's only had one that wasn't a birdie at this point in time from what I can kind of observe. It's a hell of a, it's a, hell of a first round or a third round, I should say. Then it's a it's a relatively tight race for second. John Rahm at ten under alongside Sung J M, and then you got Abraham Anser who was leading at one point yesterday. And now we get down the line. It's really you got Roy McIlroy moving on up at eight under par right now through twelve. He is moving up from the bottom to like, he jumped up from nineteen spots to tied for ninth alongside a lot of guys, guys like Sebastian Munoz. Justin Thomas tied for second as well. Hideki Matsuyama. Tommy Fleetwood currently tied for 11th. The big cat, that's not what I wanted to do. I want to go to Tiger Woods. I want him going full screen on a video from the four-letter network. He's dropped down five spots. He's currently plus one in round three, but he's four under overall. Tied for 22nd alongside guys like uh, Brooks Kepka. And Cameron Champ just moved down there. Adam Scott. It's not, it's not a great outing for him. The front nine has not been kind to the big cat, who is currently plus one. He just got done with him a whole ten and still kind of hovering at plus one. So not, not his best work in round number three. But he'll still, he 
he made the cut. That's progress. Considering the fact he had hardly, you know, gotten any practice in all year long, or all week long, I should say. But now let's get to the NFL and break down some of those ball games where we can talk about it a little bit more now with spreads because, well, we're getting closer to having sports betting legalized here in Louisiana, and I'm absolutely loving it. So let's get to it right now and talk about in the league where they play. For pay. Oh, you love to hear the music, man. You love to hear that music. We start things off with the Green Bay Packers hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars in Green Bay, Wisconsin. I had to step away the mic there. Get that 13 and a half point favorites are those Packers, those cheeseheads. And I got to give them that win, 13 and a half points. I got to go with the Packers winning, and they cover. You can hammer that down. Then we get to the Dallas Cowboys taking on those Washington football teams. Detroit Lions, excuse me, the Dallas Cowboys. What am I talking about? The Detroit Lions and the Washington football team. The Lions currently three-and-a-half-point favorites. I got to take the Lions to win, and I wouldn't be surprised if they cover as well. Because I think that I'm buying a lot more stock into the Detroit Lions being an absolutely like, half-decent football team. Not a playoff team, but any stretch of the imagination lets they expand the field to 16. But I still feel, feel like they are making progress. Matt Stafford's a damn good quarterback. And I have the fact that Dan Snyder, as long as he owns the Reds, uh, excuse me, the football team, I'm trying not to say the other word, but if he continues to own that football team, they're going to continue to suck. Bottom line, sell the team, Dan Snyder. Just do it. Coward. Then we go to the Houston Texans, take it on the Cleveland Browns. The Brownies, four-point favorites against Romeo Cornell and the Texans, who have looked a little bit better in recent weeks compared to what they did before, you know, they finally got rid of their absolutely abysmal head coach, currently 2-6 and six of the year. But i got to go with the Browns winning. I'll, I'll take the te- I'd take the Texans to cover, though. A four-point spread, and seeing how Cleveland just has kind of been very weird this year. Give me Cleveland winning, but against the spread, i take Houston to cover. Then we get to the Philadelphia Eagles taking on those New York Giants. Four-point favorites are the Eagles. Give me the Eagles. You know, Doug Peterson seems like a great guy. I got to go with the Philadelphia Eagles getting it done over the Giants. Tampa Bay taking on those Carolina Panthers. Sharp teeth and claws. They seem like they've been defanged or declawed, I should say, without Christian McCaffrey. He's out with a shoulder injury. I'm sure that's going to mean Teddy Bridgewater and crew are going to have to get it done in a big way against a Tampa Bay team that is absolutely hungry. For a win. They're going to be clawing and scratching for a victory tomorrow. Six point favorites are the Buccaneers. I'll take Carolina to cover that, but I got to go with Tampa Bay getting the win. Then we get to the Los Angeles Superchargers. It's the battle of the rookie QBs that weren't Joey B. Tua Tonga Vailoa versus Justin Herbert. How's this matchup going to go? It's a virtual pick em. One and a half point favorites are the Miami Dolphins. I'll go with the L.A. Chargers getting the win and covering here. I'll go with the underdog special. That's my underdog of the week for you. Then the Las Vegas Raiders taking on the Denver Broncos in an AFC West contest in Vegas. The house always wins in my book. And currently the Raiders are slated as a three and a half point favorite. Give me the her, her, her Raiders. 
winning this ball game, and I say they cover that as well. Then we get to the Arizona Cardinals taking on the Buffalo Bills. We always like to say no one circles the wagons like them. I think this might be a week where they struggle because they're going to make that trip two time zones over. Take on Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury, and the Cardinals. Arizona currently two and a half point favorites. I'll go with the Cardinals to win and cover that one. Then we get to a matchup that's definitely got a lot more intrigue. I'd say the spread is going to get higher and higher because of one thing and one thing in particular. Ben Roethlisberger taking off of the COVID-19 list. This just came out earlier this morning. Right now, the Steelers are 7.5-point favorites against those Cincinnati Bengals who are off of a, coming off a of bye week. Joe Burrow, a rookie quarterback taking an undefeated team. History says 1-6. and six. I'm going to say that stays the, the trend. He's going to go down to 1-7. and seven. You have Pittsburgh Steelers with Ben Roethlisberger back. If he's active, this is going to be a win, and I say a handy win. And I wouldn't be surprised with this news about him getting off of the COVID list. Yes, he's listening in the injury report, but he should be good to go, according to good friend Brooke Pryor, who covers the Pittsburgh Steelers for the four-letter network. That's going to be where we're at. I say that line goes higher. Steelers get the win, and they will cover according to the spread they have right now. Do they cover when it goes up to double digits? Because I think it does go up to double digits before game time. I don't necessarily think so. Seattle taking on those Los Angeles Rams. Rams, two-point favorites against a Seattle team that's definitely underwhelmed on the defensive side of the football. I'll go with Seattle. That's going to be my lock of the week. That's going to be the, the smooth Jimmy lock of the week. The famous CD's lock of the week. Seattle gets a win over the Rams. I don't think they – I think they do cover that, that spread because, again, they'll, they'll win that contest. I'll get to San Francisco, New Orleans for last. Baltimore at New England, Sunday night football matchup. The Ravens currently seven-point favorites against a New England team that has been absolutely crappy all year long. Probably one of the worst Patriots teams in a long time, especially with Bill Belichick at the helm. Give me Baltimore getting the win, and I say they cover big in this contest. This is going to be at least a 10-14 to 14 point victory. Then we get to Monday night football with the Minnesota Vikings taking on the Chicago Bears. Currently the Vikings three-point favorites over Die Bears. Give me give me the Bears. Give me the Bears. This is going to be a three-point dog. Give it to me. Then we get to the matchup I think everybody's looking forward to here in the Acadiana area. New Orleans, San Francisco. And with San Francisco, without George Kittle, without Jimmy G, you've got the pride of Southern Miss, Nick Mullins, who, by the way, tore up the cages in 2016. I'll never forget that game. I'll never forget the fact that after the game, Eli McGuire, before he wound up going on to the New York Jets, the Kansas City Chiefs becoming a bit of a journeyman, he didn't want to take any questions. Still a little like, weird situation with him. But whatever. Currently, Saints are 10-point favorites. I'll go with the Saints winning, and they cover this contest. I think this is going to be a walloping, especially if the defense plays as well as he did last week against Tampa Bay. Because they absolutely destroyed and basically broke the psyche that is Tom Brady. So give me the Saints winning and covering. I say, I said it on Bencho. I think this is going to be a 31-14 ball game. This is going to be a game where the Saints put up points in gobs, but they won't basically go off on like a 40-point. It won't be like when the Saints took on the 49ers. I believe this was like 2016 where they took them on, and it was just them opening up a can of whoop ass. This is a game where they'll be opening it up, but won't up, up, open up the whole can. Because, again, I don't think they're going to be ready to fully do that. They'll do that against the Falcons next week. Don't worry. 
but they're going to save some of the some of the ass whooping for next week. All right, it's under the dome with CD, and that's kind of my picks across the league when it comes to the NFL and looking at the spreads. Hopefully, you enjoyed that. I always enjoy doing that; just so much fun to talk about that again, and just we're that much closer to like actual sports betting being like an actual thing we can do in 2020 in Louisiana legally. So, hey, I'm all the way for that. But we come back, we're going to not talk about the spreads. We're going to talk about what's happening and what's causing all this with the New Orleans Saints. With Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints podcast, Canal Street Chronicles. He'll join us next right here on 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Under the Dome with CD is far from your ordinary sports talk show. I am the voice of the voiceless. What other show has more pop culture references than an episode of Family Guy? I just don't want to be involved in any of that mess. Now back to the famous CD on 103.7 The Game, Acadiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. And now we're going to make it on over to the Twin Peaks Hotline for the first time all show long. Talk to our guy at Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints podcast, Canal Street Chronicles. Ross, what's going on, brother? Hey, brother. Doing all right out here. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And right before we came back, we heard that commercial about the Louisiana Christmas Channel. I highly recommend you check it out, by the way. But it makes me it makes me wonder, like, in your mind, when is the right time to start playing the Christmas music? Because I think this is something that like is a contentious debate towards a lot of different people. I have my thoughts, but I want to hear yours. This is a household debate for me, too, <laughs> because <laughs> because my, my fiancé believes it is dead set November 1st. I believe that it is the day after Thanksgiving. I think you have to get past Thanksgiving before. Before you get into like the full Christmas swing, I think maybe Christmas music. I think you know you could be a little bit more lenient on like if you want to start the Christmas music thing early. I, I don't really have a problem with that. But in terms of like putting up the Christmas tree, putting up the decorations and everything, like at least let the turkey have its day, and then we'll move ahead to decorating for Christmas. Exactly. I think that that's kind of where I'm at too. It's like I'm I'm perfectly fine with the Christmas music. I mean, the Louisiana Christmas Channel app, for what it's worth, actually runs like year round, which is really cool if you right. want to have like that every day is christmas and you just want to have like a never-ending marathon of all those Hall- hallmark christmas movies which are already starting in november which still just blows my mind to this day but you know like, like i agree with you i think it's definitely like you know let the let christmas like be on the back burner until after the turkey's been eaten right right just just give the give give thanksgiving a day at least like that's the thing is like you know as early as as we like to switch over to christmas even netflix starts dropping their christmas movies at the beginning of november we just kind of have gotten closer and closer to bypassing thanksgiving with the exception of thanksgiving day yeah <laughs> and so there's no like holiday season feel you just kind of have like christmas and then there's a small interjection of thanksgiving and then you're back to christmas yeah, and then this year we don't have our yearly Thanksgiving tradition like we've had the last couple of years, where mm-hmm. we, where the Saints just basically feast on the dirty birds. Right, right, and so I mean, you know, at least like let's find some way to celebrate it. And certainly, uh, I think we kicked off the uh, the Thanksgiving month pretty well so far for the Saints in lieu of not having the Thanksgiving game. But we will get the Christmas game this year, which would be a lot of fun. It'll be a lot of fun, but I don't know if you've seen this, Ross. I talked about this a couple weeks ago. But have you seen like what the schedule 
at the Superdome is going to be like around that week? Oh, it's wild! It's it's a, like a wild, busy week, right? Yeah, you've got you've got the New Orleans Bowl. It'll be on the twenty third. Two days later, mm-hmm. you've got Saints Vikings. Then mm-hmm. after that, you've got high school football state championships from the twenty sixth, I think, through the 29th. and then a few days later, you've got the damn uh, Sugar Bowl. <laughs> this is see, this is one of the reasons why they wanted to do all of those uh, those renovations over the off season because the Superdome remains to be a hot spot for a ton of, uh, maybe that's not the right word to use in this climate, but you know what I mean, a very popular site for, uh, for uh, you know, in- all these incredible events that roll along all throughout the sports season and, and even around and, and, uh, and outside of the football season. Talking right now, Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints podcast, Canal Street Chronicles. Now let's get to last week's contest between the Saints and the Bucks. Like, just in terms of the, all the Saints games that you've watched was that the most dominant performance that the Saints have ever put together on all sides of the ball? I think it was very close. I mean, you know, you always have to kind of harken back to years ago, the the sixty-three to seven victory over the Indianapolis Colts. But you know, that doesn't really count, certainly. though, right? Yeah, that was that was kind of the big thing. Where it was like that wasn't you know this was against the the starting quarterback, unlike that situation where you know they they were against backups and things like that. So I think that like this probably in terms of a, a healthy victory against a very talented team that had all of its weapons, as Drew Brees reminded everyone nationally after the game at its disposal. I think that this has to be up there for certain as one of the most dominant wins for this franchise. And I mean, even if you look at just. You know, the Saints only allowed one conversion on 12 different third or fourth downs. They didn't allow a score in the red zone. They dominated time of possession. They doubled time of possession. I mean, everything about this game was just an absolute thrashing for the Saints up against a division rival, yes, but also a very talented football team in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, Ross, I, like, I think the biggest thing is you brought up the defensive side of the football. I mean, you had, like, the first four drives, they all stopped them three and outs. Which, mm-hmm. honestly, I love the fact that was actually a thing that was happening. Because the Saints team has always struggled, especially on third down conversions. And I just, it was something great to see. And it made me wonder, because mm-hmm. I, I got hell for this when I said this last week before the Saints game, was the fact that I think the Saints defense is making strides. I saw it in the mm-hmm. game against the Bears. Is this sustainable going forward where we saw this big performance from the Saints defense or will they continue to do that, or will they go back towards the middle of the pack like it seems like they always do? Yeah, I mean, I, I do believe that it's sustainable. Um, I do believe it is. It, they'll have to find what form of it is most sustainable for themselves in terms of execution, right? Because that's the thing is, like, when you look at this defensive performance against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it wasn't that Dennis Allen and the defensive coaching staff changed up a, a, you know, a bunch of stuff and all of a sudden things worked. This was going up against a familiar opponent, yes, but also this was defense executing. And so, you know, communication was there. The pass rush and the coverage were both there. You know, there was the one big fourth, and I believe it was sixth play, where Rob Gronkowski was pretty much open down the middle, but he ended up being overthrown by Tom Brady because of the pressure. So the symbiotic relationship was there. All of that was a part of this win and is a part of a model of sustainable defense. Now, I think what you saw against Tampa Bay was a bit of a peak, right? And so I think you'll see a little bit of a drop-off from there, but wherever they plateau next, logically, should be better than where they were before. So either way, you're going to see an improvement. You're not going to see the Tampa Bay – I'm sorry, you're not going to see the New Orleans being told 
every team to three points as much as we would love to see that. You're not going to see that. But you will, I believe, see a better product of defense from the Saints on that side of the ball than we have from the beginning of the season. And all of those sort of signs have been pointing toward that. You know, we've seen them get better sort of area by area by area, and then this seems to be the culmination of all of that and sort of the identity that they want to have. Now we'll see how much of it is sustainable for them or what version of it is sustainable, but certainly it is sustainable to move forward with it. Well, this week's game, obviously, with with San Francisco, listen to me, San Francisco without George Kittle, without Jimmy G, and without a lot Mm -hmm. of their weapons, is this going to be a game where you can say, hey, this defense is continuing to show strides, or is this going to be one of those games where they'll be able to get out ahead early and then maybe they call out the dogs a little bit to make it at least somewhat competitive? Yeah, I mean, I think that you you could see that, um, you know, especially if this offense continues, because not only did we see the defense get out to a hot start, forcing, you know, several uh, three and outs, we also saw the offense get out there and score in their opening possession, which was something that early on in the season we weren't seeing. Now, later in the season after the bye week, we've seen it a couple of times. And then they just continue to to pile on scores, with the exception of the, the Jared Cook fumble. I mean, they converted five of seven in the red zone, and many of those were early going into the going into halftime up 31 to zero in this one. And so I think that, you know, if they get out to an early lead like that, you could see a situation in which they kind of back off and start to maybe preserve a little bit of energy. But for the most part, I think that when it comes to the San Francisco team, this San Francisco team is so much about the schematic structure of the team that the personnel I don't want to say that it doesn't matter because obviously it does, right? There's a huge difference between having George Kittle and not having George Kittle. But the drop-off from Jimmy Garoppolo to Nick Mullins may be a little bit of a different conversation. And so I think that when it comes to Kyle Shanahan and the way that he, he schemes up this offense, that there's still a threat and there's still a reason to go into this game and for this defense to understand that it still has a challenge ahead of it. You know, the rookie wide receiver Brandon Ayuk's been great. The running game is always going to be there, although they're very familiar and have had a lot of success against Kevin Coleman. So there's a lot of good... Uh, players out there on the field still for this San Francisco team. So I think that this is one of those ones where if the defense goes out there and performs again, we shouldn't knock off any merit because they played against an injured 49ers team. They still beat a Kyle Shanahan offense, and so I think the challenge is still very much there for them to rise to. I'd I'd agree with the whole Harley, but I noticed you had a little bit of slander towards him. uh, A guy that I think is definitely a solid backup quarterback in Nick Mullins. He was absolutely amazing when I saw him play against the Cajuns in the New Orleans Bowl. And, I mean, the guy shattered every record Brett Favre had, so it's safe to say the right. guy's got some talent, but I thought maybe there was a little bit of slander there from about him, uh, Nick Mullins. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that the drop-off from Jimmy Garoppolo to Nick Mullins isn't that much at all because I think that okay. Nick Mullins can rise to that occasion. Because for me, it's like for, for Kyle Shanahan, what he and that front office has done, John Lynch as well, of course, what they've done is that they've put together a team of extremely smart players. And you have to be smart. You have to be smart, particularly to operate in that, that San Francisco offense. And you have to be smart to operate in the NFL, period. But I think that what they have in Nick Mullins is another extremely smart quarterback that can, um, that, that can produce and that can execute. And so I think that as long as you have that, there's no reason to look at Jimmy Garoppolo or Nick Mullins and say, you know, this offense is going to look different with these two guys under center. I think that you're still going to have uh, a, a test ahead of you, regardless of who it is. So that, that's kind of my thing is that I, I don't think the drop-off is there because I think that Nick Mullins is better than people think. 
And I think that Nick Mullins may be just as good as people believe Jimmy Garoppolo is. And so I still think there's there's a bit of a test here for the Saints offense. Oh, excuse me, Saints defense. And pass rush obviously is going to be a big part of that because as good as Nick Mullins is, he unfortunately doesn't have as much playing time as some of these other quarterbacks around the NFL. So pressure is going to be effective. The, the mental clock is going to be effective. All the things that you would see from really just about any NFL quarterback that's not maybe named, you know, Drew Brees or Joe Burrow maybe. But there's, you know, you're still going to be able to to, to pressure and be able to do that because he is a bit of a space quarterback. He's a spacing guy. You want to be able to, he wants to be able to sort of meticulously move through progressions, but he also knows exactly where to go with the ball. And I think that works to his advantage, but could be something that the Saints can work to take advantage of. Scale of 1 to 10, how disappointed were you that Jameis Winston didn't get a touchdown against the Bucks last week? i got to be honest with you. In terms of like 1 being least disappointed and 10 being most disappointed, I was on a 1 on that scale. I, I didn't want Jameis Winston to throw a single pass because I don't want anyone to know what Jameis Winston looks like under the tutelage of Drew Brees and Sean Payton. I want that to be an absolute mystery because he's not on contract after the season. Yeah. And so I want it to be as simple as possible for the Saints to be able to retain him if they feel like they want to. But I'll tell you what, when he threw that little dump-off pass to Michael Burton for the 12-yard gain on that third down, it was a lot of sauce on like a three-yard air pass. Yeah. <laughs> he, did not, he did not lean off of that one at all. I, I really just wanted him to score a touchdown like at one point i'm like just put T- Jameis in just so he can throw a touchdown pass as the kind of like the middle finger towards the Tampa mm-hmm. buccaneers like look what i did look, look what i'm doing now like y'all, right. y'all got rid of me y'all miss here's, me now or something like that here's 100 percent what i would have accepted and would have been very happy about would have been maybe like that dump off pass going to Dwayne washington and then Dwayne washington housing it for like 64 yards that would because be awesome. then you know what I mean? Like, it, first of all, Jameis Winston gets that moment. I get my moment, right, of the no one knowing what Jameis Winston's arm looks like and his arm talent and his progression and all of that stuff. But also he would throw that touchdown on a dump off as opposed to pushing the ball down the field, which I think would just be an added layer of, hey, screw you, Tampa Bay, for putting me in the situations that you put me in. Look at what I can do in a system like this. Oh, exactly, 100%. I, I would love to just – I would have loved to see him just score a touchdown just as, like, the most – to continue the Sean Petty thing that he always loves to do. Yeah, right. <laughs> but and then like how great was it? Like during Drew Brees' post game interview where you got everybody surrounding the camera, you got Cam Jordan just standing there, bug eyed, and then Jameis Winston eating the W. That may have been like the greatest oh, part of my weekend. So good. I love that so much. Because that was one of the things I think I think you and I actually talked about that when they signed Jameis where we were like, we just can't wait for the moment for Drew Brees to be leading a pregame huddle and Jameis to run in and eat a W or something like that. And then we get like this moment after the game, which I think is just as good. Um, and I, I love that. And I think that, you know, one of the other things that really stood out too was if you look at um, uh, 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 Drew Brees' uh, post-game presser, he talked about the moment that Jameis got to go in and how excited Jameis was when they called for him to go in. And I thought that was another really cool moment too. And I, I don't think that Sean Payton – I think that, that was a little bit of that petty Peyton that we're talking about because we saw Taysom Hill take many snaps in this game at quarterback, and we certainly saw him this series before Jameis Winston came in take a couple of snaps. So I thought they were just going to run this game out with Taysom, but then they made the decision to put Jameis in there and let Jameis ice this game, and I thought that was, I thought that was a great move by uh, Coach Peyton. It was absolutely tremendous. And, you know, before I let you go, I, I like to go very much, you know, like take it easy and have a lot of fun. 
mm-hmm. just to wrap it up, I saw this pop up yesterday, and I have to ask you this question. Did you see the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air trailer? Um, the, the, which one? The, the trailer about HBO Max is like reunion. Okay, yes, yes. All right, so which one was the better mom, original Vivian or the later season's Vivian? Oh, 100% original Vivian. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's amazing that like everybody's kind of like has a debate in their mind which one's the better Aunt Viv. No, there's no, there's no debate. There's no debate. You could meet Aunt Viv in the the song booth at the mall. Yes, singing Proud Mary any day. Oh, a hundred percent. And it's always just awesome the fact that they actually have her back in the sh- back in this like reunion. I absolutely love the fact that's actually happening. Yeah, me too. Me too. I was really glad to see that because there was going to be a little bit of like. Maybe I don't know. I, I feel like if you don't bring in you know Felicia Rashad, you don't you don't bring in you know the original Aunt Viv in that in that moment. I feel like it it, it kind of I don't want to say that I wouldn't watch it, but it would feel like something was missing. I'll say it that way. It would certainly feel like something was missing. I, I would have honestly, I would have loved it if they just changed it up and just had another Aunt Viv just to make fun of it <laughs> like again. It's like, it's like you keep changing. Just bring Debbie Allen in for no reason. <laughs> like, come on in. Uh, <laughs> that would have been fantastic. <laughs> oh, no, that would have been absolutely amazing. But, Ross, thank you so much for coming on, my man. As far as I know, I don't have a show next week because LSU Arkansas is going to be at 11. So in two <laughs> weeks, we'll, we'll we'll catch back up. That's great. Hopefully we'll be talking about two straight wins against uh, the San Francisco 49ers and the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, I'd be more than ready for that. Talk about them winning against the Broncos. Then we could talk about a lot of other things. Maybe we could start booking hotels to Tampa Bay in February. Thanks, Ross. That's right. (laughs) Absolutely, bud. All right, that was Ross Jackson. You can follow him on Twitter, at Ross Jackson Nola. I'm going to go ahead and take a quick timeout, and when we come back, we're going to talk about one final take. You're just going to have to listen in to find out what it is. A little tease for you in the business. Back after this on Acadiana Sports Station. 1037 the game and 1037thegame.com. Just before we close up shop here on 1037 the game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one or is it going to be one he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. Last week I talked about on the Saturday Sports Sermon the fact that LSU, you know, has had some struggles all year long, and I think it's justifiably why they've been struggling. We all know why, but it's just more. This is more about what ha- what's happened over the last week with the multiple COVID cases, the contact tracing, causing a lot of guys to be quarantined. It all kind of stemmed due to a Halloween party. This is why I was talking about LSU in a bad way. They continue to be a underwhelming franchise. They continue to be an underwhelming program. I think it's all because the culture isn't necessarily there to be like a consistently winning culture. You got good that one year because you had a lot of alphas. This year, there are no alphas. And if there are, they haven't found their voice yet. There has not been a group that truly has found their voice. I talk about it like, all the time. Is if you want to be able to be the best, you've got to have a guy in that room that can make you become your best and basically say, "Hey, like, I'm going to go ahead and yell at you until this thing gets right." You had a guy like Joe Burrow, who was an alpha, and basically put Devin White in his place. If you read the flip the script book, 
there is no real alpha in that team to make sure these guys know, hey, like, don't go to this party. Don't do like these are all just more focused on getting to the party versus, you know, like actually winning a ball game and actually having something to celebrate. It further proves that maybe just maybe the culture isn't necessarily that great at LSU in terms of a winning and consistently winning culture. You see Alabama, they're they're keeping things in check, lock, stock, and barrel. You're not seeing people going out to these part these COVID parties or what have you. They're playing a straight and narrow. If you don't play it on the straight and narrow, you're getting out of, out the door, Jack. That's why they're going to be winning the national championship when this is all said and done. Now, when they play LSU, who really knows? But that's about all I got for you today on Under the Dome with CD. I'm out of here. Be back with you next week or two weeks from now, I should say, because I keep forgetting next week I won't have a show due to LSU Arkansas. Now, if anything changes, I'll let you know, but I should be off next week. I'll go enjoy a Cages game. I'll talk to you in two weeks' time. Hopefully, I don't have to start yelling again about LSU's culture, whatever, if they lose to Arkansas. But I'll talk to you later. You've been listening to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Peace. Hey, Clavis, wake up. The show's over. Oh, yeah. Kick it.